Hi, welcome to episode 29 of Global Exchanges, a podcast about foreign exchange markets and related issues. I'm Greg Anderson. In this week's episode, my co-host Stephen Gallo and I will be talking about the evolution of major exchange rates over the first few trading sessions of 2022 and the background issues underneath them. The title for this episode is Key Themes for January. Hi, I'm Stephen Gallo, a London-based FX strategist. Welcome to Global Exchanges, presented by BMO Capital Markets. Hi, I'm Greg Anderson, a New York-based FX strategist. I'm Stephen's co-host. In each weekly podcast like today's, we discuss our perspectives on the global economy and the foreign exchange market. We also bring in guests from the FX industry and from related financial markets like commodities. We strive to make this show as interactive as possible, so don't hesitate to reach out by going to bmocm.com slash global exchanges. Thanks for joining us. The views expressed here are those of the participants and not those of BMO Capital Markets, its affiliates or subsidiaries. Okay, it's January 11th, 2022. This is our first Global Exchanges podcast of 2022 of the new year. Thanks for joining us. Greg, you mentioned the evolution of major exchange rates since the start of the calendar year. Uh, and really, quite frankly, there hasn't been much evolution. That's that's the honest truth. And again, to be quite blunt about it, this is a continuation of 2021, particularly because there's been a decent amount of volatility in the rates and commodity spaces, but virtually no vol to speak of in FX. The range in the BBDXY has been just 0.8% wide since the very beginning of the year. You know, Greg, it, it seems to me that investors in FX have basically parked themselves and, and are waiting to see how one of the key themes of January unfolds. And by that, I mean the Fed. Um, in other words, the, the Fed has basically given us this laundry list of potential policy normalization steps, uh, but it's now a question of when, how much, and for how long. Let me pass it to you on that point. Let me start by noting the price action in a few key variables since the December 15th FOMC, which I would characterize as uh, considerably more hawkish than expected. First off, the BBDXY US dollar index hit a calendar year high on that FOMC date. It then drifted about 1.6% lower between then and the December 31st closeout. My gut response would be to ascribe that US dollar slide back, call it, as year-end position squaring, with the market reducing US dollar longs for year's end. However, CFTC data admittedly doesn't show that. The USD slide back in late December might also have been the result of the ebbing of turn pressures or the postponement of Russia-Ukraine risk. At any rate, we have an interesting contrast going on here because the benchmark U.S. two-year yield has moved from 0.71% or 71 basis points to 0.93% uh, or 93 basis points since that FOMC. And its 10-year uh, friend has moved from 144 to 177. And meanwhile, WTI-grade crude has moved from $70 a barrel to uh, call it $79 a barrel today by the reaction function that we saw from June through November of last year. The U.S. dollar should have gained 2 to 3% since the December FOMC, but instead it has slid lower. 
So why hasn't the dollar rallied? I admit that I'm perplexed and don't really know. But I don't think that the FX market is sitting on the sidelines and waiting for information before trading on what I'll call the uh, Fed is going to tighten faster theme. From what we've seen, FX volumes are pretty robust. So the market is in fact trading the theme. It's just that it has brought more short-term cross-currents than maybe we realized. But cross-currents be darned, I still think this Fed is going to tighten faster theme is still a big U.S. dollar positive for the first half of this year. Okay, Greg. So investors, according to what you're saying, aren't really sitting on the sidelines, but cross-currents related to other asset classes have gotten in the way of the dollar higher theme. So on that note, let me ask you about quantitative tightening, also known as QT. Uh, this is a new angle uh, of the Fed is going to tighten faster theme for 2022, which you already mentioned. Why has QT not impacted the dollar much? Great extension of the why isn't the dollar rallying question. Coming out of that December FOMC and Powell's post-meeting press conference, the prospect of QT seemed to be pretty far off. But then we got some chatter from a couple of Fed hawks in the first couple of days of January. And then the surprise on Wednesday last week of Fed minutes making it sound like the commencement of balance sheet reduction, or QT, uh, could be a very real possibility by the end of the first half. Look, this is an issue that is probably better explained with a written piece that includes historical graphs and with a podcast. So on that note, I will promote to our listeners the FX Weekly that we published uh, on January 10th entitled QT Adds Upside to the USD. I will just say that, uh, that I believe that. From the previous instance of the Fed reducing its balance sheet between 2017 and 2019, uh, the dollar rallied during that period. So that historical perspective says that is what we should see. And any economics theory that involves relative supply is going to say that making US dollar cash relatively more scarce uh, and, and I guess assuming other central banks don't pursue QT too, which none have indicated that they will in the days following the Fed's uh, QT ticker bomb. At any rate, relatively increased scarcity of dollar cash should lift the dollar. And then lastly, you know, it's designed to push U.S. rates higher and higher rates are normally considered positive for a currency. So all the theory and the historical experience says this should lift the dollar. And I'm going to stick with that, uh, you know, on a six-month horizon, even if that's not what we've seen over the last four sessions. So back to your question of why hasn't that happened yet, let me just point out that uh, the 10-year yield is up about 10 basis points since the uh, Fed minutes were released. And in equities, the S&P 500 is down about 2.1%. So for an international investor community, that is overweight U.S. in its bond holdings and also overweight U.S. Uh, in its stock holdings, that's just bad news. So to the extent that QT leads global investors to move their U.S. country weights back to benchmark, that may lead to uh, you know kind of an initial wave of U.S. dollar selling, even if this new angle of Fed is tightening faster theme should make everyone more US dollar bullish. Anyway, that's my best story for uh, an explanation of the price action of the last few days. 
And I would just say to uh, buy dollars on this kind of surprising non-rally. And I'm particularly bold up on dollar yen, which I think should have gone to 117 or 118 based on the moves higher in oil and U.S. rates, but has not yet. All right, Greg, let's let's switch topics uh, and also continents and talk about the Russia-Ukraine theme. Yeah, let's switch up who's on the hot seat and start asking uh, you some questions. So the Russia-Ukraine uh, story, where are we at in that particular theme? And why isn't Eurodollar facing downward pressure? Or is there someplace else that we should be looking for the geopolitical risk premium slash discount? Okay, Greg, let me let me dig into that question. I'm going to break it up a little bit and come at it um, sort of uh, from from the last point first. Um, being completely honest, I, I think the geopolitical risk premium is getting more difficult to pinpoint. And part of the reason for this is the drop in European natural gas prices on the back of uh, well, I think mild winter weather conditions so far across Europe, uh, and also a big pickup in LNG imports into Europe from North America. So uh, in spite of a muted net inflow of natural gas from Russia into Europe, uh, I guess what we might refer to as gas flowing the wrong way uh, from an EU perspective, the risk premium associated with uh, the geopolitical backdrop just isn't as apparent. And the drop in natural gas prices relative to their late December high point certainly has not hurt the euro. Another reason I think the geopolitical risk premium is a little bit uh, you know, covered up or not easy to locate uh, is that the SNB has recently been very active in propping up Euro Swiss. And that is certainly what the FX reserve data and the site deposit data of Swiss commercial banks uh, with the SNB suggest. And on your point about uh, what the current state of play is regarding Russia and Ukraine, look, another opportunity, Greg, for me to be brutally honest, it's it's tough for me to see why Russia would climb down from its list of U.S. NATO demands at this stage. And I think probably the best possible outcome this week is that talks between Russia and the West simply carry over into the rest of January or into February. But in terms of the minimal market response, again, going back to this difficulty uh, I've been having in identifying the geopolitical risk premium, it's possible that markets haven't moved all that much because they have come to the conclusion that even if Russia does start to retake parts of Ukraine, NATO is not really in a position to respond aggressively. Uh, and any resulting sanctions are unlikely to cause dramatic economic pain for the global economy. That's certainly a distinct possibility we have to consider, uh, especially with investors focusing on other issues like the inflation backdrop and the Fed. So focusing back to the euro USD exchange rate, uh, it's been surprisingly perky over the last three weeks. Um, what do you think here? Here's the way I would break down uh, my base case scenario for you, Greg, on, on the euro. I, I think euro dollar is going to run into resistance from either Fed ECB policy divergence or from interest to sell the euro against various non-dollar currencies or along non-dollar crosses. Uh, and that latter scenario is much more likely to stick with us if risk appetite holds firm. And maybe we can talk about specific euro cross rates in, in a few minutes. Um, that being said, that being the base case scenario centered around um, those two issues, I think it's also a good opportunity to highlight one of the main risks to the short euro trade, uh, which is a more abrupt hawkish shift 
from the ECB on policy. We left last year, 2021, discussing this as one of the important risks for 2022, and it's definitely still out there. If the inflation backdrop ties the ECB's hands in a knot on quantitative easing, I have no doubt that short euro positions will be squeezed. But where the euro rally potentially loses steam again, runs into headwinds, is if a QE cliff edge dents demand for weaker euro area credit or other assets, um, or causes a material repricing of credit spreads in Europe, I don't think that would be conducive to sustained euro strength. So we've talked about the Fed as a key January theme. We've talked about the Russia-Ukraine geopolitical theme. But what we haven't talked about yet is Omicron. What do you think, Stephen? Is this a key January theme for FX markets? You know what, Greg? I think at this stage, markets are relatively immune to Omicron news. Equity markets in particular seem to be a lot more preoccupied with the Fed and inflation. I think in FX, there's been a bit of a downside response in euro sterling to relatively more restrictive measures in parts of the EU compared with the UK. Uh, But if you take the UK as a template, the government's strategy has been to ride Omicron out with a vaccine booster jab campaign and relatively mild restrictions. And I think, like, as I said, that's that's probably going to be a, a template for other economies and other countries too, eventually. Um, I think at this stage, investors are probably more worried about Omicron disruptions affecting the supply side and potentially resulting in additional central bank policy normalization than negative demand shocks. That would be my take anyway. All right, let me throw it back to you for one final topic for the month of January, Greg, the oil price. What's notable, in my opinion, is that WTI crude has retraced almost all of the decline from late 2021 related to the emergence of Omicron. What do you make of this price action in oil, Greg? Yep, Stephen, oil is bid again. In fact, it was on a 79 handle when we started our podcast. Now it's on an 81 handle. Omicron was one of the factors that pushed WTI from, uh, let's call it $84 a barrel in early November to the the low of 62 on December 2nd. But the other issue was the U.S.-led pressure campaign that included an effort to coordinate strategic reserve releases. Let's just say that that pressure campaign hasn't worked real well, but then again, hey, um, we're not at $100 a barrel yet, and maybe we would be there if there hadn't been that consumer nation pushback. For FX, this is an old theme that the market knows perfectly well how to trade. You just buy exporter currencies and sell importers as oil grinds higher. When we published our annual outlook back on December 16th, that was one of the key reasons for our call that CAD would show substantial gains against euro and yen. With oil making its way back into the 80s and potentially higher, and honestly, $100 a barrel by mid-year really wouldn't shock me. I would just reaffirm our bullish cat on Cross's call here. Barring a reversal in oil, Euro CAD should head below 140 and CAD yen should head on up to 95. Sounds good, Greg. Let's wrap up episode 29 here with those four key themes for January. We're planning to be back with episode 30 this time next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Global Exchanges. Listen to past episodes and find transcripts at bmocm.com slash global exchanges. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode. You can send us an email or reach out to us on Bloomberg. 
You can listen to this show and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. This show and resources are supported by our team here at BMO, including the FIC Macro Strategy Group and BMO's marketing team. This show is produced and edited by Puddle Creative. This podcast has been prepared with the assistance of employees of Bank of Montreal, BMO Nesbitt Burns Incorporated, and BMO Capital Markets Corporation. Together, BMO, who are involved in fixed income and foreign exchange sales and marketing efforts. Accordingly, it should be considered to be a product of the fixed income and foreign exchange businesses generally, and not a research report that reflects the views of disinterested research analysts. Notwithstanding the foregoing, this podcast should not be construed as an offer or the solicitation of an offer to sell or to buy or subscribe for any particular product or services, including, without limitation, any commodities, securities, or other financial instruments. We are not soliciting any specific action based on this podcast. It is for the general information of our clients. It does not constitute a recommendation or a suggestion that any investment or strategy referenced herein may be suitable for you. It does not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial conditions, or needs of individual clients. Nothing in this podcast constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a representation that any investment or strategy is suitable or appropriate to your unique circumstances, or otherwise constitutes an opinion or a recommendation to you. BMO is not providing advice regarding the value or advisability of trading in commodity interests, including futures contracts and commodity options, or any other activity which would cause BMO or any of its affiliates to be considered a commodity trading advisor under the U.S. Commodity Exchange Act. BMO is not undertaking to act as a swap advisor to you or in your best interests in you, to the extent applicable, will rely solely on advice from your qualified independent representative in making hedging or trading decisions. This podcast is not to be relied upon in substitution for the exercise of independent judgment. You should conduct your own independent analysis of the matters referred to herein, together with your qualified independent representative, if applicable. BMO assumes no responsibility for verification of the information in this podcast. No representation or warranty is made as to the accuracy or completeness of such information, and BMO accepts no liability whatsoever for any loss arising from any use of or reliance on this podcast. BMO assumes no obligation to correct or update this podcast. This podcast does not contain all information that may be required to evaluate any transaction or matter, and information may be available to BMO and or its affiliates that is not reflected herein. BMO and its affiliates may have positions, long or short, and affect transactions or make markets in securities mentioned herein, or provide advice or loans to, or participate in the underwriting or restructuring of the obligations of issuers and companies mentioned herein. Moreover, BMO's trading desks may have acted on the basis of the information in this podcast. For further information, please go to bmocm.com slash macrohorizons slash legal.